welcome to Patriots Nation UK, brought to you by me, your host, Matt Inkster. Hey guys, how's it going? I am at Matt Inkster on Twitter. I write at PatriotsNationUK.com and this is... Patriots Nation UK podcast. It's episode 11. It's legs 11. If you're a bingo man, I'm not really, um, but sounds kind of fun. Um, this week, well, this today, on today's episode, because you're getting a special bonus one this week, um, we have another special guest from across the pond in America. Um, he's a great guy. He um, has been pretty quick to respond to me and pretty quick to help out, just like Mike was. If you listen to the Mike debate one that we did yesterday, day before, depending on when you're listening to this, um, this is one with Mark Schofield, who you would hear, um, I've heard Mike saying in the interview that Mark is a TV guru, he was one that was one of the first ones to predict that quite possibly we could be looking at um, a 2QB situation with the Patriots um, Hoyer being ditched but you know, I'll let you listen to the interview itself and you might get an insight scoop insight, insight into what um, his thoughts are now again it's just me um, Nick is busy with things but you know these things happen so going forward you know it could be myself it could be Nick I have got a holiday coming up in Mexico so I don't know how the internet's going to be out that way um so yeah it could be Nick doing a couple of intros and outros on these podcasts for you depending on what the situation is depending on the internet and such like in Mexico at the time and that is coming up for me towards the end of September. I'm pretty sure it's Redskins and Jets. Like I mentioned in the mic interview, is when I'm away on holiday, vacation, whatever your preference is. So, apart from the actual interview, I just want to touch on a couple of things. Um, I've been meaning to do this for a couple of weeks now. Uh, with the listenership expanding, there is some new listeners in Canada shout out to the Canadians um, they might be expats listening I don't know, uh, if you want to hit us on, up on Twitter, that's at Dingster or at the underscore panic on Twitter um, hit us up um, let us know who you are uh, the Facebook page is there, it's up and running, although there's not much content or anything on it as yet um, it is there, you can jump on that and say a quick hello so we've got listeners in Canada um, we've also got a couple of listeners in Denmark, and um, they seem to have been listening to us from the start. I'm not sure, again, not sure if they're Danish or if they're British people working in Denmark, maybe through the oil industry or whatever it might be. So we've got a couple of listeners out in Denmark as well, so it's cool. I think it's really cool. We're getting international listenership. You know, we've got listeners in the States as well as Britain, obviously. Um, we are a UK Patriots podcast, but... We expand globally and internationally. It's great, great to hear. So, you know, as usual, rate, review, and subscribe. Tell all your friends about us. Tell your dog, your mother, your wife, whoever. 
um, it may be. We are trying to expand the podcast as much as possible, get better guests and such, such like for you. And yeah, you can reach more countries and such like as well would be cool. Whether it be Singapore, China, Japan, Australia, uh, Middle East and Dubai and such like. Wherever. We want to hear from you and we want you to listen to Patriots Nation UK. So apart from the listenership, um, obviously Gronk this week, he's come out. Everyone thought it might have been a unretirement speech that he was coming back to the Patriots for another season because our tight end situation's a bit of a mess out with Ben Watson. Our predictions for myself and Nick, they will hopefully go up today, tonight, um, tomorrow morning before the actual lists come out for you know who's getting cut and whatnot and what the final 53 is. So we're going to try and get that out to you. That'll go up on PatriotsNationUK.com. Um, links will be put out on social media channels. So yeah, so Gronk was chatting this week not about on retirement but more about retirement and why he retired and I've not seen or heard all of what his statement was Um, but unfortunately you know through pain and whatnot he decided it was best for his body similar to Andrew Luck best for his body his physical health his mental health that he stepped away from the game sadly for us age of 30 these decide to step away but I mean man what a career he will go first ballot Hall of Famer he's won a few Super Bowls he's run party boats he's had a heck of a time and you know he might come across as this goofball who doesn't have a clue what he's up to apart from play football and smash people to pieces because of his size and such like but you know he switched on you know You'll all know that he um, just used his sponsorship money, basically, from that, his actual salary from the Patriots was stashed in a bank account, so he's sorted for life. Um, but that's not really the point, you know, his physical health and mental health is its important to us all, so just to say he's earned millions of dollars doing something we're all jealous that we would also want to do doesn't give us any right to then, you know, have a go at Andrew Luck or anyone else. By all means, if that's your preference, that's what you want to do, then go for it. But that's not my stance, and I'm pretty sure it's not Nick's stance either in these things. So yeah, he's um, promoting some CBD oil um, and products of such like. There's um, a podcast I listen to, because I'm a big wrestling fan, there's the Chris Van Fleet Show. He promotes... Greenwoods, I think it's, sorry off the top of my head, you Americans um, who know what you're talking about. Um, he promotes CBD products, CBD oil, um, gummies and tea and all sorts, and I'm sure this product that Gronk is promoting is some sort of similar lines um, to that. Um, so yeah, it's, sorry I lost my train of thought there guys. Um, it's something I'm unfamiliar with, it's something I'm very interested in, I want to take more of an interest in it, because as well as Gronk pointing out, I mean, the poor man can only sleep 20 minutes a night, that we've all 
not everyone, but some of us will have been through broken rib situations or, you know, certain scenarios that you're only sleeping 20 minutes a night. My wife is one of those people that she's not got injuries as such, but she's a terrible sleeper. Uh, her mind races, she thinks about work the next day, she thinks about work that's done, work that's coming up and what she's got to do around the house, what she's got to do as a mother to our child, etc, etc, etc. She is shocking at sleeping at the best of times. So, I would like to find out more about this. I know she's very anti-drugs and that's her point of view and that's up to her and that's great. I am also anti-drugs from the point of view of recreational use and such like, you know, I never have apart from some marijuana, I've never done anything else, sorry mum if you're listening to this, um, but that's it for me, you know, I've, I've seen all the things in the paper of, you know, it takes one ecstasy tablet or one snort of cocaine and you could be dead because it's rat poison that's in it or it's too pure of a form of cocaine or whatever it might be, um, but CBD is something I'm interested in and from medical standpoint of maybe actually being able to help, it's not something that's going to get you high or anything, which is great, you know, it just calms you down, helps your, ease your mind, helps ease pain in Gronk's case, so it's uh, something that I'm interested in, and once we catch up, either probably next week now I would think, to, based on schedules for us, but once we and Nick catch up, it's something I'd be interested to get his viewpoint on as well because it's affecting our Patriots player or former player um, you know we've also had Josh Gordon's um, substance abuse case go forward and his leak suspension consequently and you know he's saying he's never been sober almost a day in his life all through high school or college and professional game which is absolutely mind-blowing to me but you know these things happen and fingers crossed he's on the mend with that but I think we've covered Gordon enough it was just someone that came in my head to do with um, you know he's and there's a lot a lot of other players in the National Football League that are marijuana users they use it in the states that it's legal in and you know whether it be for pain or um, CTE or whatever it might be, you know, as long as it's not performance enhancing, then by all means give it a crack. It's going to aid your case. As I'm just not a fan of recreational drugs for the sake of you know getting high or off your head or whatever it might be. Um, same with alcohol. Uh, I like a drink. Others like a drink, um, but. It's not something that's going to solve your, your problems and your issues. So I think that's it. I think that's all I wanted to cover off because I, I realised I hadn't um, covered the Gronk thing the other day. And actually the only other thing I want to um, touch on is David Andrews as part of the projections that I'm speaking about that me and Nick will try and get up on PatriotsNationUK.com as quick as possible. Um, in my projections, I think David Andrews goes on IR and we don't see him this season, which then frees up a spot for someone else on the roster.
all-star. But things are greater than football drunk is obviously realised this in recent times when you're not sleeping, you're turning to CBD oil or whatever it might be to aid you to get some sleep, get some pain relief. Um, there's greater things in sport and football and for someone to have blood clots like that and then be on um, blood thinner anticoagulant, sorry, what my pronunciation of that word, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, but yeah, so going on blood for the nurse, you know, I can't see David Andrews being back anytime soon. However, having said that, he has been seen out in the practice field as a, a sort of mascot, if you will. I know he's greater than a mascot, but you know, he's still there, he's still part of the team, he's still involved, he's just not taking part in physical activities. Um, but my thoughts go out is David and his family that, you know, fingers crossed dude, that you're back playing again soon and we're all cheering you on as part of um, Patriots Nation when you're on the field. So that is it. Without further ado, um, I think we'll just skip right on to the Mark Schofield interview. Uh, enjoy it guys, it's a good insight to his mind and what he's thinking going into the season and what he's thought of the rookies so far. So yeah, let's hear from Mark. So joining me at this time, um, just myself on this one, Nick is otherwise engaged. Um, it's a guy who does InsideThePylon.com and the SCO show for Pat's Pulpit, part of the SB Nation Network. It's Mark Schofield. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, Matt. Pleasure to be with you. Excellent. Well, I first heard of you um, through the Five Yard Rush guys um, who do the fancy podcast over here in the UK. Um, you was on their show when you were still the Locked On Patriots guy, um, but obviously now you've moved on to maybe bigger and better things for yourself. But how did you get into sports writing for a living? Was it something you always wanted to do or something you fell into? I mean, I know the story, um, but for any listeners who doesn't, what is your background into it? Yeah, Matt, it's I took a rather curious path to where I am right now because for about 10 years, I was a practicing attorney in the Washington, D.C. area where I live in, sort of still live. Um, but after that 10 year period of doing you know, complex civil litigation, uh, I was at my last final spot. I was doing medical malpractice defense work. I sort of came to the realization that it just was not the right career path for me. And it's interesting to sort of talk about it, Matt, now when, you know, in the past couple of days we've had Andrew Luck, you know, walk away from the game of football. We've now had Rob Gronkowski come out and talk about just today how he was worn down by the game. The game wasn't fun for him anymore. Mm. Um, I was going through something similar where being a lawyer was just not the right fit for me. It was not the right fit for my family. I can remember being, you know, tough to be around in the sense that I was always thinking about work and wasn't really focusing too much on everything else that was around me. I mean, I'll tell a quick story. Near the end of my time practicing law, um, my wife and I, we had our first child, um, Owen. We had a second, our daughter, Simone, on the way. And I can remember one afternoon after work, well, actually one evening after dinner, um, my wife, who's also a lawyer, um, she's pregnant. She's on the floor in front of me, like playing with Owen because um, it's that period of time after dinner before bed when we actually get to see him because he's in daycare because we're both working full time. 
And I'm sitting there on the couch ignoring them, staring at my phone because I'm worried I might get an email um, from one of the partners on a case that I was working on. And it wasn't that I was expecting one. It was just a possibility in my mind. And I realized at that point I'm staring at my phone that's two feet in front of my face and I've ignored my life, my world, which is like five feet in front of me. And I realized mm. I had to sort of get out. And around that time when I made the decision to leave the practice of law, I thought maybe at some point I'd go back, but I was going to take some time to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's when an opportunity came up to write for a website that became inside the pylon.com, a group of people um, that I knew through a Red Sox message board. We thought, you know, we talk about football all the time. Why don't we try writing about it? And eventually that website that we started grew into ITP. And through ITP, I've gone on to do some things like working at Bleacher Report and now SB Nation, you know, the, the Scotio podcast, the other stuff I do over at SB Nation, uh, Matt Waldman's site and so on. But that's kind of the genesis in my sort of, you know, origin story. It was that I was a lawyer. I wasn't good at it. I needed to do something different for myself, for my own mental health. And that's how I ended up here. Yeah, I think um, everyone can relate to what you're saying there. I mean, I think we're all stuck in our phones and computers and such quite often more, maybe more often than not than we actually should, unfortunately. And we're kind of, as you say, you're missing what's going on by in front of you. It's a matter of feet away, sadly, in some cases. And right. we, uh, we all try and our best. And, you know, I think it's quite difficult, um, maybe not so much for myself, who is obviously a bit more part time than you and your other colleagues. But, you know, people that say, oh, you know, I've taken a a week, uh, a week break from social media or whatever, how you guys couldn't, I'm guessing you guys couldn't even cope with such a thing, really, because you need to be on the ball almost 24-7, do you? Especially, you know, Saturday night, for example, is, right. a, is a telltale sign of that very uh, scenario. Yeah, Matt, it, it's, it's hard to get that sort of balance with staying sort of grounded and using social media because Twitter is both an incredible resource, but it can have its drawbacks. And there have certainly been times like, you know, every Sunday I sort of get the or Monday morning, I forget which day it comes that sort of screen usage report on my phone. And the amount of time I spend on Twitter is probably too much. And I do sort of realize that, but at the same time, it connects you with people across the globe. It connects you with readers and other, you know, listeners to your shows and, enables you to sort of build those connections. You could do something silly like a thread on a home situation where you're rescuing frogs. Like I've done the past, <laughs> you know, 24, 48 hours and connect with people that way. I mean, it also depends on how you use it. I mean, it's certainly there's potential there for it to be a resource for good. Obviously there's like anything in the social media age, there's drawbacks to it. Um, but it is sort of hard to strike that balance. And, you know, it, it's funny. I often tell that story about how I, was staring at my phone, ignoring my world. But then there will be times when, yeah, I'm looking at Twitter and I've got my kids with me or doing something with my wife. So I, I often snap myself out of that. And that sort of, you know, callback story is a good reminder for me to put the phone down for a bit. Mm, I think so. And um, you you obviously cover um, the Patriots um, for Pat's Puppet on the school show. You're currently on a UK Patriots podcast. I assume, unless otherwise told, you are a Patriots fan. <laughs> um, I, how did it? Sorry, yeah. carry on. No, no, I, I am a, a Pats fan. <laughs> and it, it, it is interesting in the sense that I, I try to sort of 
stay ob- objective as possible. But, you know, the fandom does creep into the coverage. It does creep into the podcast from time to time as objective as I try to remain. And, you know, growing up in the Boston area, I wasn't always a Patriots fan. When I was younger, when I was, you know, 9, 10, 11 and started to play the game of football myself, I was a 49ers fan because, A, the 49ers were good and the Patriots weren't. And, <laughs> B, interestingly enough, when I started playing the game of football myself and started playing the quarterback position, I wanted to wear number 13 for Dan Marino because I liked Dan Marino. Had mm. they made that number available to me, I might have become a Dolphins fan. And that might have actually stuck. But interestingly enough, they did not have the number 13. They had number 16. So I started wearing 16 for Joe Montana. And so I was originally sort of a 49ers Joe Montana fan. But as I sort of got older and realized, look, I can go to Patriots games. They're my local team. You know, that's when I sort of, you know, flipped the allegiance to New England, you know, well before, you know, Super Bowl 36, obviously. You know, my first true Patriots fan was the Super Bowl against you know, I was in college. It was a Super Bowl against the Packers, the Jambalaya team that, you know, made it to New Orleans and then got, you know, beaten by the Green Bay Packers. That was my first true foray. Obviously, Super Bowl 20, I do remember it, but that was more in my original days of being more a 49ers football fan than a, a Patriots fan. It was hard not to get swept up in it, though, when the team made it to their first Super Bowl. But, you know, really since that Packers Super Bowl was, you know, it's been full bore Patriots for me. Excellent. And, uh, I think that's the way it should stay going forward. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep it that way. It would be awkward for me now to say, look, hey, um, I'm a Browns fan now. Now, so it's going to be interesting, you know, having children now and seeing their sort of fandoms begin to develop. I mean, my son, for I think all intents and purposes, is a Eagles fan. You know, he dressed as Carson Wentz for last Halloween, and okay. that was. A, bit of a bitter pill to swallow although i did help him you know i got him the arm sleeve i got him the you know the play calling wristband the eye black stickers i mean i went all out to help him out but it was tough especially when his best friend what is tom brady you know that that was kind <laughs> of a, a awkward thing to see but it's interesting now to see sort of their evolution and i feel like i could see into the future and my son being a difficult teenager because i feel like his eagles fandom was born of the patriots and the eagles squaring off for the super bowl and he wanted to sort of root against the team everybody else was rooting for. Yeah, and um, yeah, I know David Beckham, who obviously played for Manchester United for right. a number of years, and he grew up a, a Manchester United fan. His, I think it's his eldest son, is actually an Arsenal fan. And, I mean, more power to him. It's something that, you know, I've got a daughter who's coming up two years old shortly, and I'll push Patriots and my soccer teams as much as possible on her. But, you know, at the end of the day, they've got their own minds eventually and I'll support right. whatever um, I mean, un- they, they want to do, you know. Unless, Matt, you're happy to be a Newcastle fan, in which case just let her root for whoever she wants to because <laughs> it's been a long, long time, my friend, since, even since Passports with Pardue. It's been a long time. I miss those days. And I can't believe I'm saying I miss Alan Pardue, but such is the life of a Newcastle fan. No, luckily enough, uh, I'm a Manchester United fan myself. So oh, the, there you go. Kevin, the Kevin Keegan um, losing its speech is something that I constantly laugh at, I must admit. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And um, just before, before we get, uh, dig into some Patriots, um, I just wondered, is there any advice you would wish to partake on anyone that's listening that wants to start writing, podcasting, vlogging, you know, whatever their passion may be? What, what do you think is the 
with some advice that you could pass on? I mean, I, I it's the easy Nike catchphrase, but just do it, you know, and my story should be sort of a role model of a pathway that you can follow because I didn't, you know, go to journalism school. I, other than like writing on message boards, I never really sat down and written an article other than like, say for a couple of legal magazines, but you know, an article about how to try a, a jury trial in the court system of Maryland isn't exactly apropos here, but we live in such a time where if you have access to the internet, if you have a phone, if you have, you know, that's all you need is, is to get started. If you have a microphone, you can start a podcast and you can get it up on a hosting website. And it might be seem daunting. It might seem intimidating to put yourself out there like that. But interestingly enough, Matt, there are people out there, and I try to be one of those, that are willing to help, that are willing to give feedback, that are willing to you know, listen to a podcast that you put together and give some constructive criticism, that are willing to edit articles. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, Matt, somebody's reached out, hey, you know, I, I've written this, can you give me some feedback? And they expect me to re- say like, oh, you know, this is good, this is bad, whatever. I'll open it up in Google Docs and like redline it and edit it and send it back to them. And it might be... You know, somebody that's writing for the first time, it might be somebody that's written for a long time, but they're looking for that feedback. People want to help. And so if you're somebody out there sort of listening, you're thinking, look, I'd love to be able to do what these guys do. I'd love to be able to live the Mark Schofield life and, you know, watch football all the time and come on shows and talk about football and write articles about football and have his own podcast about football and actually have it as a second career. Then just get started, you know good work will be recognized, reach out to people because so many people, whether it's a Doug Farrar or a Matt Waldman or an Eric Edholm or, you know, people across sort of the spectrum have given me that sort of hand up, you know, because people did it for them. And now I'm trying and other people like me are trying to say to the next group of people, yeah, you know, come on, I'll, I'll help you. And I'll, you know, try to find you your niche in this you know, crazy sports media space. So if there are people out there that are interested in doing it, find a way to get started and then reach out to people like me, including myself. Like if you're listening to this and you got an article you wrote that you'd like some feedback on or a podcast you've done, shoot me a message on Twitter or shoot me an email, mark.scofield at inside the pylon.com. I'm, you know, there have been some times when I have failed to get back to people, um, particularly right away, but I will do everything I can to try to help you out. Um, yeah, sound advice there, Mark. And I must admit, I'm one of your, um, not a test case, that's the wrong turn of phrase, but you know what I mean? I've just started this. This yep. is for me when this goes up, it'll be episode 11. I reached out to you. You've been so kind to give up some time um, to do this with me. We're, and as you were saying earlier about Twitter, without Twitter, we would not have communicated. We right. would not be sitting chatting right now. So, you know, if anyone anyone listening to this wants to do something similar, I'm in the infancy with this podcast, and Mark is true to his word. Um, you know, he will help you where possible. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. you know, it, it's when I started. You know, when I started 2014, 2015. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. We had no idea what we were doing at ITP, and if it wasn't for some of the people, you know, that had we had reached out to. There's no telling how this would have gone. I might be back practicing law right now, you know, but what we learned through ITP and what I've learned now sort of doing this on my own, in a sense, you know, going off to different places outside of ITP, the worst thing somebody can say to you is no when you ask them for help. 
and then you're back where you were. And and so if you're sort of maybe if intimidated is not the right word or is the right word or you, you feel a little bit gun shy. I know for me it was always hard to ask for help until I got to this spot. Now I realize that, like I said, the worst thing people can say to you is no. And more likely than not, when you ask somebody for help, they're going to be in a sense flattered that you reached out to them and it'll make them that much more willing to help you out. So, yeah, I mean, if you're getting into this, don't be shy about asking for help. People want to help you out. Yeah, for sure. And so moving on to um, Dignitz and Patriots, um, as we're moving towards game four of the, the preseason, and obviously we're, what's that, maybe 11 days-ish removed from the opening night for, for the Steelers. Um, how do you see the Patriots preseason? How How's it gone for yourself? How do you think the rookies have done? And, um, you know, is there any sort of expectations that you were going into preseason with that have been met or exceeded or otherwise you know i've i've been very impressed matt with the rookie class and how they've performed so far whether it's you know obviously as sort of a quarterback guy you know jared stidham's performance has i'd say exceeded my expectations especially given what we had heard about stidham sort of in rookie minicamp and you know mini camps and otas and things like that and given sort of his background and the fact that he was a bit of a tough draft evaluation, I think he's acclimated to life as an NFL quarterback, I think, better than people expected. And the fact that we're sitting here now before final cutdowns wondering if he might be the only quarterback they keep, I think that speaks volumes about the work that he put in and his you know, development over this short period of time from the draft to now. So, you know, he's been impressive. Chase Winovich has been impressive. I think it's hard not to be impressed by Jacoby Myers, the undrafted wide receiver. This was a tremendously deep wide receiver group. I was somewhat surprised he didn't get at least drafted on late day three, but it was good when the Patriots sort of picked him up. I think what's helped him is that background. As a former quarterback, he's had the ability to sort of look at plays and concepts and route designs from both ends of it. You know, as a receiver, he now knows he has a better understanding of how I need to get into and out of breaks quickly. And I need to speed things up against this coverage because the quarterback's going to be pressured. And so it's been impressive to see him. And I think it's been good for this team to see Isaiah win sort of back in the fold, um, getting some action against the Titans. Um, he, he looked good in that game. You know, I think, I mean, against the Panthers, I believe he looked good in that game. So so it's been good to see these young players sort of get into the fold and start to figure out things. Um, you, It's hard generally not to be excited about the New England Patriots, even with sort of the losses that they've had in terms of personnel, you know, whether it's Trent Brown moving on or Rob Gronkowski retiring. But the emergence of these young players has helped sort of ease that and give us an eye towards what this team could be like for the next, you know, three, five, six years. And definitely. And um, it's something that relating to soccer again is, you know, you want to see your team being as young as possible, but still being really competitive. And it seems like that's a sort of angle that... Uh, Belichick and the front office are taken. They want to sort of bring down the average age of players by the looks of it. And with these guys coming through and proving themselves from the rookie class last year and this year, it certainly seems to be heading that way, which can only be a good thing for possibly uh, getting another dynasty before Brady finally retires at some point. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, Matt. There is going to be that day that comes when Tom Brady decides that he's done. 
or at least that he's done in New England. I mean, it, it's, you know, I often think when we try to picture the end of the Brady era, I, I'm reminded often of something his father said, which is it's probably going to end ugly. You know, most of the time things do, you know, it never ends cleanly, never ends neatly. You know, perhaps, you know, him walking off the field after the Super Bowl over Atlanta might have been a nice clean ended for him, but he wasn't done yet. Maybe walking off the field after last year might have been it, but it will probably end. But it does seem like the Patriots continue to have a plan for the future, whether it's Jared Stidham, whether it's, you know, acquiring running backs and looking to establish a strong run and attack for whenever their next quarterback takes over. Um, so the organization is clearly mindful of that time frame. And like you said, the fact that they can get production and contributions from younger players on both sides of the ball at positions of need or positions of depth is going to be huge for if and when that transition does happen, whether it's this next season or two years from now, that whoever sort of steps into those huge shoes is going to have a solid nucleus around them. Yeah, and being a, a QB guru yourself, that was the words of Mike DeBate, by the way. Um, right. We were chatting to him last night, and he couldn't um, speak highly enough of you, um, to be honest. Um, I just wondering your wondered on your take of the QB battle. Do you think, in your opinion, that the Patriots will run with two or do you think they'll stick with the three? Or if they do go with two, where, what and where does Hoyer go? Yeah, that's a fascinating thing to think about. And, and, you know, in the wake of the Andrew Luck news, you know, there is a possibility that the Indianapolis Colts look to add some depth and a player like Brian Hoyer might be intriguing to them. You know, like I said earlier, Matt, that the fact that we we are having this discussion about Stidham possibly being just the guy they keep behind Brady again speaks to, you know, his work and his development. You know, and when you look at the entire 53-man roster as a whole, and when you sort of look at the fact that they're going to have tough decisions to make at some other positions, whether it's wide receiver, how many guys do they keep there? Whether it's defensive back, are we going to see like a surprise cut? Maybe a Deron Harmon of all people, you know, whether it's on the defensive line. I know they've made some moves already, but, you know, looking at Brian Cowart, the fifth round pick out of Maryland, and he's been playing with the ones. And so maybe they want to keep him as well as some of the other guys. They're going to face a number crunch trying to get down to 53. And, yeah, they can stash some guys. They can do the Foxborough flu and put some guys on IR, but they're going to have to make some hard calls. And if it becomes a pure numbers game and you're looking at a guy that can contribute on a down-to-down basis or at least a drive-to-drive basis as a depth player at a rotational spot at like D-line or wide receiver and keeping him over a third quarterback when you've got to feel pretty good about what Stidham's shown you so far, that might sort of push the edge towards keeping just two and keeping Jarrett Stidham. And, you know, we'll see what happens over the next couple of days. Obviously, we're going into that, you know, final preseason game and the final cutdown day on Saturday. But with some of the moves we've seen already, it does seem like Belichick is doing the Belichick thing where he's, you know, making decisions earlier so veteran guys can have a chance to catch on, you know, because when you catch on with a team after the fourth preseason game, you're already in sort of game planning mode for week one. So it's really hard to contribute. So, you know, releasing some guys when he has like Maurice Harris recently, as an example, it gives them a chance to sort of get caught up to speed with their new teams. And so. I think we'll see some moves over the next couple of hours, next couple of days. Um, but as far as the orig- un- original underlying question, 
if I had to make a call, I think they're going to stick with three just because I think, you know, if God forbid something happens to Tom Brady, it might be a decision. Well, how long is he going to be out? Because if it's like one game, you know, maybe they decide we're going to roll with Hoyer and see, you know, what we can get from Tom Brady when he comes back. If it's like a season ending injury, it might be a situation where they say, look, let's see what the young kid can do. You know, we know what Brian Hoyer can be like a one game stop back, but let's give it our guy, young guy here a chance to really get some experience. And so because of that, you know, they might like to have the flexibility of the quarterback spot, especially when face it, you're, you're dealing with a 42 year old quarterback. This is uncharted territory. And Brady said that himself. And so they might want to have both options available to them. But again, that's sitting here on Tuesday around 4:30 Eastern. Ask me tomorrow at this time. And I might say something completely different. It's always hard to sort of predict what Belichick's going to do. Yeah, until it actually happens in black and white and we see that final 53, then, yeah, you might as well take some confetti and throw it up in the air and try and catch it and see right. where, yeah. where you're landing at. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they they seem to be just stacking players in IR as well, by the looks of it. Just to, I don't know if they're trying to figure out what they do with them long term or they're just, you know, finders keepers or yeah i mean i think it's sort of that that finders keepers is it's a way to sort of get that red shirt season like we saw it last year with barrios and with you know christian sam they did that as well because they want to give guys a chance to sort of develop and this is going to be sort of their mo you know when they approach the draft the way they do by sort of stockpiling picks and taking as many swings that they can at it you know, you're going to have some hits, you're going to have some misses, you're going to have some guys that you're trying to figure out what you really have in them. And if you're just drafting a guy to cut him in the fourth, if drafting a guy in the fourth round to cut him, you know, in his first preseason, that's tough to really get an eval on somebody. And so, you know, they'll use the IR, they'll use PUP as much as they can to sort of buy themselves some time to make some of these decisions. Mm, I think so. I think you're right there. And going into the actual season itself, how do you see it panning out? Do you you know, do you see them going 13 and 3, 14 and 2, or all the way to the Super Bowl? What, what do you think um, they're going to do with that? And bearing in mind the news that we've we found out in on Saturday night, Sunday morning, when I woke up, do you, does is that the Colts out of the picture now? Or you know, are we getting a free run at it towards another Super Bowl? I mean, when you look at sort of the overall landscape of the AFC, you've got a cluster of you know, maybe four teams that you can see making a reasonable run. Obviously, you put New England in that mix. Um, obviously, you put Kansas City in that mix. Um, you know, you could probably make a case that Pittsburgh. I know a lot of people are excited about the Browns, but I, it's hard to count Pittsburgh out. You know, they've their experience. They've been through these sort of battles before. Um so you could probably put them in the mix, and I think you have to put the Chargers in the mix given the kind of season that they had last year. Phillip Rivers was playing at a high level. you know. But outside of those four teams, you know, there's obviously that sort of next tier where you put Baltimore, where you put Cleveland. Um, I think a lot of people, like I said, are very excited about Cleveland. You know, I would have had Indianapolis in this tier, but you probably have to drop them down a peg. And, you know, the AFC South as a general, you know, proposition is tough to sort of figure out especially now but houston can they protect watson jacksonville how much are they going to get from falls tennessee what's their quarterback position even like you know we're hearing that marcus Mariota is really on a hot seat and so that afc south is tough to figure out now in terms of you know so 
just generally speaking, I think the expectations are in New England, as they usually are, get to an AFC championship game and hopefully get to a Super Bowl. You know, that's what comes with, you know, success is renewed high expectations. You know, as, as far as their season goes, there are some some tough games. And there's that early game at Miami on September on September 15th. Playing down there in the heat, I'd expect them to struggle like they did at Jacksonville last year. That's not a good time to be playing down in Florida. So that game obviously, you know, is one to think about. You know, November 3rd at Baltimore. Baltimore is going to be a tough team. That's going to be a tough one. But then, you know, they come back from the bye the next week and they go to add Philly. Philly looks great on paper, but the Patriots in the Belichick era are almost perfect coming out of a bye. So, you know, they should be able to handle that one. That Kansas City game is at New England. And so I think the schedule sets up favorably for them. On paper, it's an easy schedule other than these couple of games I've highlighted. So I think you have to say at least 13 and three. You know, I think the idea this team could go undefeated. I don't know about that. That would be a big ask. It's tough to win 16 games in the NFL. I mean, crazy things happen, especially when we know, look, something always fluky happens down at Miami. It just does. (laughs) I mean, so I was going to (laughs) say, I mean, I'm fully, I'm fully expecting them to be one and one after two weeks. They're going to lose that game at Miami. I'm just expecting that to happen. So I don't think undefeated is in the cards, but I certainly think 13, three is doable and 14 and two is as well. Mm, For sure. I'm totally, a bit of a loss. I would, so when I, I go through the schedule, so sometimes I pick a eleven and five, sometimes I pick thirteen and three. But it's, you know they're still going to win the division, I think, and they're still yeah. It looks towards getting a first round by at least, and then we'll take it from there. But you know, funnier, stranger things have happened, and as you say, we're dealing with a forty-two year old quarterback now. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, even so. Um, but yeah, so with uh, that in mind, going into switching into the NFC, what do you think is going to happen in that division this year? Do you think the Rams get there again, or is there someone going to surpass them this time this year? Yeah, I, I, I think, look, Super Bowl odds makers have basically said it's either the Rams or the Saints, and I certainly understand you know, why they would feel that way. Both those teams look you know, extremely good on paper right now. And obviously the Saints will have a bit of a chip on their shoulder given how the NFC Championship game went down. you know. But there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, two things about the NFC. One, the NFC South does look sort of loaded. You know, Atlanta is going to be good. You know, I, I'm a believer in Matt Ryan. I think Carolina is going to be good as long as Cam Newton is healthy. I think the Saints, you know, like I said, they're one of the teams people pick most often to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I think you have to make a case that Tampa Bay is going to be much better under Bruce Arians. And I think that's a perfect marriage of coach and quarterback, you know, with Arians and and Jameis Winston. But the other thing to think about is this NFC East looks really good on paper. I think Philadelphia might from top to bottom have the most solid roster, you know, given the fact that they've made some acquisitions in the running back spot, but Miles Sanders, I think that's going to be, you know, a good running back room. I think they've, you know, reacquired Sean Jackson is going to be big for Carson Wentz, a full year healthy of full year with Wentz healthy is going to be for them. And then obviously Dallas is going to be good as well, as long as they can get Ezekiel Elliott back into the fold. I think the favorites probably are the Rams and the Saints, but it wouldn't surprise me to see one of those teams, the Eagles or the Giants, make I mean, excuse me, the Eagles or the Cowboys make a really deep run. Yeah, I'm not sure if the, the Giants are going to be it's certainly not going to be the Giants, but I mean, maybe the Daniel Jones thing wasn't that bad. 
I mean, I was somebody that was not high on Daniel Jones. Um, certainly wasn't that excited about seeing him picked sixth overall. But he's performed extremely well this preseason. Uh, made a number of really good throws. He seems to be picking up the game incredibly well. Um, I would not surprise me to see him starting for this team by Halloween or at least Thanksgiving. So, yeah, I, I think the Giants have actually stumbled into the right path for their future. They're probably still a year or two away. But I think, you know, if you had asked me after they picked Daniel Jones, you know, would you feel optimistic about this team's future come the end of the preseason? I would said, no, you're crazy. Daniel Jones, no, no. But I think Daniel Jones has shown that he at least belongs in the NFL. It might have been worth that six overall pick after all. Well, as long as the the Browns get a better record, I'll be happy because I've got a, a bet on with an American friend of twenty five dollars that the Browns will have a better record this year than the Giants, and he's yeah, a I, Giants fan, so <laughs> I, I think you're gonna win that bet. I think you're gonna win that bet. Good, and uh, but I mean, you're sp- speaking about Daniel Jones there. I know we're slightly off topic of Patriots, but um, it just came back in my head. There's a magazine over here that runs called Gridiron Magazine. Mm-hmm. And one of the writers for them, Simon, I think it was Simon Clancy, for them, he actually predicted in his draft predictions that Jones would go sixth overall. So, I mean, fair play to him for that. Yeah. Nobody else saw that coming at all. Yeah, what was interesting about that, Matt, was this, I think, it was another example of the league and sort of the outside football media or draft Twitter world just being completely on opposite pages and different pages when it came to a player because – you know, I heard throughout the draft process that, you know, there were teams that really liked Daniel Jones and were going to consider him in the first round. When I woke up the morning of the draft, I had multiple people telling me that, you know, more than three teams, say, had Daniel Jones as their top graded quarterback in this class. And these were teams that were not the Giants. And so we're all on the outside saying, look, you can't draft this guy first from what we see. But the NFL teams felt differently about him. And so that's one of the interesting things about sort of doing the the whole draft evaluation, quarterback evaluation thing is that, you know, everything I saw said, look, Daniel Jones is QB six in this class. That's where I graded him. And everything the team saw, now more than one team had him graded as the top quarterback in this group. Now they have access to more information. And so that's just the sort of way it went down. Now, I could have easily said, you know, I'm going to change my grade all of a sudden. Now he's a top quarterback. But that's not the way to go about things. Team saw it one way. I saw it a different way. And we'll see how it all plays out. I don't think it helped that Gettleman said, oh, so, so what was it? One half of football and decided that was our guy. So, I yeah, I mean, silly statements like that didn't help Gettleman his case whatsoever. handled the whole thing. And part of me, and, and I've talked to people that actually feel this way, people that know Gettleman, people that have worked with Gettleman. They wonder if it is in some sense he's in almost trolling us when he says things like that, you know, because Gettleman isn't a guy that travels for the most part. He doesn't travel a ton. You know, his M.O. is to stay in his office and watch film. So even though, yeah, you know, he said that, oh, I saw, you know, this one drive against, you know, in the senior ball, I was hooked. He had seen every Daniel Jones throw before he went down to, you know, before he went down to Mobile. You know, he had studied this guy like in and out. So he knew him. And when he says things about analytics or running backs and stuff like that, there's a part of me and there's a part of people that know Gettleman think he's just sort of trolling us. But it's it makes it easy to crush the guy. And believe me, I was crushing him the morning after the draft. You draft Daniel Jones at six. You draft a, you know, a two down nose tackle at 17. Like, what are we doing? 
it seems like he might have been right after all. So my hat's off to him. Maybe it pans out. Yeah, well, the, we'll wait and see, I guess. See, see how that goes for him. And then just circling back to Patriots again before we finish up, is there any sort of wild or hot takes that uh, you can envisage happening this year that's a possibility? Is there anything that you know, you're currently sticking your neck on the line for and we'll see what happens come February if it comes true or not? Yeah, which, there are two things that sort of stick in my mind. One is that Chase Winovich is going to lead this team in sacks. If not sacks, actually, I was on my show. I had Eric at home on from Yahoo Sports, and he said that, you know, now with the player tracking data, you know, we're, we can track how, you know, how far somebody runs over the course of the game. Even if he doesn't lead the Patriots in sacks, Chase Winovich might lead all like defensive linebackers, you know, front seven players in yardage run over the course of the season. Because when you watch Chase Winovich, the kid's motor does not stop. You know, mm-hmm. he had a tackle against the Titans where he was deep into the backfield that chased down the running back from behind him. He had like a seven yard head start on him and he ch- still chased him down from behind. And so if he doesn't lead the the Patriots in sacks, he'll at least lead the league and, you know, front seven players and yardage run over the course of the season. That's Chase Winovich. And it's hard not to say that Jacoby Myers will have more receptions than the Keel Harry. And I know that seems a little bit crazy. One got drafted in the first round. One didn't get drafted at all. But it does seem like they trust this kid. I think he's had 16 catches in the preseason I saw today, 13 of which went for first downs. You know, when you've got that kind of reputation on a roster that when you need to move the chains on third down, you can go to this guy. That's what keeps you on the field. And so, yeah, maybe Jacoby Myers has more catches than Nikhil Harry. Mm, and I don't think that's totally outlandish, to be honest, because um, so from what I've read today that, you know, Nikhil Harry could might not even start the season. It could be week three, four, or five yeah. before we even see the kid. So, um, and that gives plenty of time for Myers to stand up, build a lead. And, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, become wide receiver too, sort of, sort of play. And one of its um, your take on that one. I hope that does come true because out of this year's class, um, I'm a, a linebacker guy myself. Well, there you go. Um, with Hightower being one of my favourites on the team and. Out with the Patriots, I've always said that Clay Matthews um, has always been one of my favourite players out with them. And, you know, it's maybe just the long blonde hair deceiving my eyes, but the kid looks good and I'm rooting for him this year, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are rooting for him. And, you know, he just screams Patriot. I mean, he just screams Patriot from the way he approaches the game, from the work ethic, from the motor that he has. You know, when you were studying that Michigan defense last year. Yeah, everybody's watching Rashawn Gary, but it was hard not to watch Winovich. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people are rooting for him to succeed. Mm, definitely. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Thank you so, so much for all your time um, this evening here and coming in the evening with yourself there. Um, just before we sign off, where can people find you, your, your articles, your Twitter, et cetera, online? Well, Matt, thanks so much for having me on. It, it's been a blast. Uh, thanks so much for the invite. It means a ton. Um, people can find me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Um, you can see the work at a variety of places inside the pylon, uh, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's RSP, a couple of SB Nation sites, uh, Big Blue View, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Sco Show, which you know we cover quarterbacks with an eagle slant. And then obviously uh, my show, Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the Sco Show over there, where you have episode eight coming out later this week. Excellent. I'll... It's been a blast on my end as well. I've really enjoyed our, our chat over the last 
30 or so minutes and um i'd love to have you back on during the season if you if you would absolutely absolutely matt you know how to find me so just ask me anytime i'm happy to come on perfect thank you very much mark well thanks again for your time and i'll let you go for now and we'll speak soon sounds great matt and so there you have it that was mark schofield of inside the pylon and um the scotia on pat's pulpit part of the sb nation network just the usual housekeeping before i go guys um remember to rate review and subscribe tell your mates dog wife etc 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 um that would be much appreciated um check out patriotsnationuk.com for those projections before saturday's lists come out i dare say there's going to be plenty more trades happening and wheeling and dealing whether it's with us or other teams um, but hopefully not too much more the um, couple of trades that's happened last day or so have really messed up my projections a little bit um, it seems like we've added two great guys to the roster um, if you're trading at this late stage I dare say they are now locks to be on that roster so I've had to cut others accordingly to make it down to the 53 again um, there are some that are on IR, etc., which don't obviously count towards your 53. So within, you know, the, that might change the roster as the season goes on, really. Um, but in terms of the actual projections and roster itself, come Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, yeah, the couple of guys has been added, Cunningham, and I wouldn't even like to pronounce Jermaine's surname that we've picked up from the Ravens they are pretty much dead set locks now I would think but it does mean it's possibly goodbye Dan Skipper and possibly goodbye Cole Croston um, which is sad for Croston because I was actually enjoying um, watching him, Dan Skipper not so much um, he's been decent, he's been serviceable in that position, but it's not his position, so um, we've got better swing tackles coming in now, I think, and the, what I heard on another podcast, I think it was, it was either on Mike's Locked on Patriots or the school show with Mark, one of the two I've listened to in the last day or so, um, they were talking about actually Dan Skipper and his height. I mean, six foot nine, he's a big dude. He's a big guy, and something ridiculous like 300 pounds or so, which isn't too too heavy for someone of his size. But it's um, it could also be his detriment, and I have to agree with that. Sometimes. I'm pretty sure it was on Mike's show actually on Locked On Patriots. <clears throat> His size is his detriment because he can't get down. He can't get down and up and push in. And the other guys have basically just got the advantage on him. Um, sorry, guys, you'll be hearing my indicator. I'm currently driving. Driving safely. It is uh, Bluetooth. I'm recording this through for you guys. Um, so I'm keeping my eyes on the road and such like. But, yeah, that ticky-tocky noise will be the indicator that you're hearing. But, anyway... Um, he, yeah, his size is, you know, what goes for him and against him, unfortunately. And in this case.
case it might just be something that it's why it's not really working out at the left tackle position for him. Um, as I say, serviceable, but could do better really. He's had a decent preseason, but Bill in the front office have obviously decided that it's time to. I would think it'll be him that gets caught on so unfortunately I think they've decided it's, it's time to move on from him. And so, yeah, look out for predictions for myself and Nick. Well, I'm saying Nick. I'm bagging on him putting in predictions because he said he would. So, if you're listening, Nick, don't let me down. Don't let Patriots Nation UK down. Um, you'll see them on PatriotsNationUK.com at the very latest. Um, Friday night before they come out. It's Thursday, 29th August, as I record this right now, record this outro for you guys, and it is also my wife's birthday. So after work, I'm pretty much going straight to um, a meal to celebrate said wife's birthday. I will not tell you how old she is because that is rude of me to disclose a lady's age. Um, but we have a daughter. Not that that means very much in today's age because teenagers and such like can have pregnancies also that can result in daughters or sons and such like. But yeah, wife's birthday, so celebrating that today. Happy birthday, um, Julie, if you do listen. I know you don't, but just in case you do, happy birthday, my lovely wife. And so I've got a meal for that straight after work and then I'll hopefully get this edited and uploaded to you guys by this evening or tomorrow and we'll take from there so anyway guys that is all from me that is all from nick because you can't hear nick because he is not here and we shall catch you on the other side of the weekend no doubt so until next time guys just remember to do your job as there are no days off